This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. We are going to have a very interesting episode as we are discussing active learning in relation to sleep, sedentary behavior, and physical activity measurement. And we have a great guest for this episode. She has done her bachelor and master's degree at Nova School of Science and Technology in Portugal and her PhD in Biomedical Engineering in the University of Twente. Then she has worked at Rossing Research and Development Center in Netherlands for eight years, coordinating and managing EU research projects related to e-health. She's been also teaching courses on physical activity, digital health, and virtual coaching at the University of Twente. She has acted as a board member for five years in International Society for the Measurement of Physical Behavior. And a while ago, she started as a Chief Customer Officer at Fibian. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Dr. Miriam Caprita. Welcome. Hello. Thank you very much, Oli, for the introduction. Great to have you again in the podcast. So we are going to discuss about active learning and how how do you see the role of active learning in universities you have been as a student in two different countries you have been teaching and you have also seen the development side in in your work at the development center and so how do you see the role it's very important it's it's a uh, it's key if uh, if you think well the the teaching the the education the, the traditional let's say hasn't changed a lot uh, in the last i dare to say hundreds of years this uh, role of uh, there is someone that uh, that is in the front of a classroom um saying and uh, sometimes in a monologue unfortunately even way um and of course you have the books you have materials but but it's it's very different it's 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 a bit it sounds even a bit insane to me and i'm definitely not from educational science people know much more about that but that some things stayed the same for for a long time and what i experienced um and i don't know if it's just a change of the country as you mentioned that but to be fair now i'm back to portugal and i talk to to colleagues who work in universities and i see there was also a change here so maybe it was the change of countries but also the, the time let's put it uh, honestly uh that there is much more there is much more effort much more attention in involving the students in the learning so to go from the passive that the student is just gathering uh, getting information is just absorbing to i'm i have an active role i uh, the students are empowered to also have a role in their own um in their own education and to to search for the answers not to get all the information but to search for it and and i think especially in or uh, in this field in uh, when we are studying uh now you are talking about sleep uh, uh, sedentary behavior and physical activity Uh, it's it's key that if if you want to teach about measurement it's uh, if you just give the data for example if we are talking about that you give a, a data set to students is very different than if the students collect their own data set but 
I think we will go into more detail, most likely in a, in the conversation. Um, but just uh, and, and another point. So I th I think there are two points here: is the the role of the student in educa education, and also what I see. I saw that was actually one of the things that I really liked when I went to the Netherlands. I went uh, for an exchange program, and then I ended up staying there. Um, that you also have mixed. Uh, students in a group. For example, we have a course, but it's not a course just for engine electrical engineering or a course just for biomedical sciences or a course just for the students. But in the same course, you have students from different backgrounds working together in group assignments. That is also um, very stimulating uh, because, of course, each uh, person comes from a, from a different background and has something to to give to the group assignment. Um, so I think this combination of being more active and then being also with other people from other backgrounds is very encouraging uh, in university nowadays. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I had just a podcast recording with the astrophysicist who, who went to neurology and is now analyzing sleep and, and she was explaining how her background of working on the surface of the mirrors that she used to look the the telescopes mirrors and it helped her to understand the EEG signal differently than the people in neurology and she was able to bring fresh ideas yeah i, I think that's and i i don't think i think in many many countries i i did my studies in finland there was little bit of mix of backgrounds but it was mainly that some were from studying to become PE teachers and some were studying biomechanics so it wasn't very different especially as a first second year student they basically have had the same background same understanding of things so was it in Netherlands that they intensely mixed from very different fields yeah I, I think so and even I now I'm uh, I'm not sure if that went through but if not or if it's already in place or if it's just in an idea but even there were some thoughts of letting the students choose their own courses in general so not just a minor but you go to the university and you say I want to do this course and I want to do that course I want to do that course what's your title at the end I don't know is it important also to have a title or not but this is not a discussion today of course it's um, but th there is this this trend to give as much freedom. So uh, my experience at the, the University of Twente was, I think, more in line with what you are saying. So that you would have, I don't know, that's something that's relevant for here. Uh, I teach the course on physical activity or some guest lectures in the course that combine students from more biomedical sciences, um, psychology and health sciences. So there you already had, but it's all, let's say, in the else. But I, I'm also thinking about another uh, example from uh, the University of Applied Sciences that uh, had um, a project, but the students would, of course, receive uh, credits for, uh, would count for their curriculum, where it will be really complete different studies. So you could have, I think, for example, from, from fashion and then electronics and then, I don't know, say something, media. And the idea is that was that the, the companies or organizations in the region could set some challenges and the students would work together in a group to solve that challenge, but completely from different uh, perspectives. And, uh, and I think it's, it's, very, uh, it's very interesting. It's, uh, uh, you come with, with different eyes, with different lens, basically. 
No, I, I think that's that's really important. I think it's a good good point for active learning to bring different kind of people because it's really you learn that people think differently and you learn to think differently also. Yeah, and also I think from preparation for professional life because do you work with only people from your background? Is there, a, I mean, only if you really look in a very specialized, in a very controlled environment, but I don't think it's it happens so often anymore. That, that's a good point. And, and for me, like I was studying in sports sciences and if in free time, I was in the sports team training every day. So for me, then understanding that not all the people are training every day for me, that was difficult. So for, for kind of physical activity promotion, it's like, oh, I, I have been in this bubble. I have never seen these people. You know, you, you stay the days in the sports science and then the evenings training and then in the evening you watch from TV some sports. So you, you never even saw persons that don't do sport every day. So so that's that's a different different story. Um, you, you said that the things have changed already in, in your time, like, for example, in Portugal. And I, I think the technology is changing. And I remember from the biomechanics lab in in Uvascula, they still had in a corner a computer which has like that you need to fill in the cards with the holes and then the results come as the holes in the card and the younger people here are thinking like what 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 the hell is he talking I I haven't seen those computers but I'm thinking like during those times the active learning probably wasn't very easy so I think the tech you have changed from those times to our time studying and then then now how, how do you see this this evolving when we go to go to future well, how, how do you see the active learning and this kind of active teaching evolving i think it's it's a it's a very good question and, and just to you say that just to give a, my perspective i know the only only course I had with a bit more hands-on practice, if I remember correctly, at university was um, uh, biosignals, and I had a, we could measure some EMG, but we had to bring um, what was it called in English? Uh, flap disks, right? The but uh, flap disk, yeah, that is it, flap disk. Uh, but it was uh, in um, in a period that it was not used anymore. You know, even for us, it was already okay. We knew what it was. Maybe the new generations don't know, but. I remember asking my mother and I said, does anyone have one? And we had to bring it to the lab to to grab the data. If I stop, was it the small ones or that like the huge, huge ones? Yeah, the small ones. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm so old that I remember still the big ones. <laughs> that is, yeah, that, that's like the size of the laptop that you, you put in and then there was like half a megabyte of, of space or something. No, but uh, going to your question, I think, I think it's very... Uh, of course, uh, if we think uh, just to put things in context, so I started university in 2008, I started my bachelor. Um, at that time, we definitely didn't have uh, so much access to, to sensors or uh, for, for physical activity, sleep monitoring. And, uh, and even I can say even with, within my PhD, within a four years time, it was a huge difference. I was uh, exactly the time when our consumer devices uh, became very, uh, very trendy. But if I think, um, so when, when I was teaching, uh, we were, we were bringing the, the devices. And if I look maybe now or even, or, or soon, you could mm, go much more into the bring your own device idea that you don't need to give sensors to the students because maybe they are already collecting their own physical activity and sleep and the, especially if we are in the fields, as you said, if you are in, uh, already in sports science or, 
is there a student of sports science nowadays that doesn't use Strava or some something similar? I don't think so. So do you do, but you are not a student anymore. No, but we, or something similar. I don't know, some kind of app, whatever it is. I just mentioned Strava because of uh, running or cycling, but can be something else. So even maybe this active learning is already happening um, unconsciously uh, because uh, they are already, or it will be more and more uh, monitoring or using some kind of uh, of device to monitor sleep, uh, uh, physical and physical activity. Um, but I I truly believe that it's. This is not just, uh, let's say, a fancy thing of the moment so to engage the students. I, and also another thing that uh, I was thinking when, when we got the idea for this podcast, you also need a new way to engage students. Because, I mean, can you imagine now sitting six, seven, eight hours in a classroom listening to a person and you have your mobile phone, you're, you have your laptop, and you see sometimes on Twitter people saying, oh, I don't allow students to bring their laptops, or I don't allow... Yeah, you would look at your phone. You will not stay for two hours in the classroom without looking at your phone. You would get distracted. And what is just, oh, I will just check this message half an hour later, you are still on your phone. So even if it's for that, and you can say, oh, you blame the students, I don't think it's fair. Because we will do the same. So you need other ways to, to make things more. If you are engaged, if you are in the flow and just not going into too much in, into psychology, but if you are engaged with an activity, you won't grab your phone just because. So we, even if it's because of that, we need other ways of teaching because this just someone talking. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely a good point. And, and I think also not maybe related to much active learning, but even, even like lectures that do you really need them? Like, I think it's more effective to read from the book or listen, listen them in a, in an audio format. And, and what's the point of sitting in a room together and, and talking? If you together, why not then do something hands on, something, something active? No, absolutely. I also see some, uh, some colleagues and former colleagues, for example, doing much more. Okay, these are the materials that uh, the students, that I advise the students to read. And I'm open from this time to this time for an open session for discussions. Bring your questions and, and let's discuss. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And, and you said about the technologies that there's consumer devices that students have. And, and then we have these hardcore research devices in a way that, that might be difficult to implement in a teaching that it takes too much time to, to set up, maybe, maybe too difficult in a, in a two hour uh, class, for example, to get. And, and then there's devices in between. Uh, we are going to discuss in, in part two about the student lab, new student lab. But also, for example, I have had the interview with the Run Easy CEO and it's, it's good, good measurement, real biomechanics measurement of the center of mass. And you get results ready, but still like good, good solid measurements, but very easy to use in, in, for example, in a classroom. So I think there's this kind of devices that are nicely now in between, because if you only use just consumer devices, basically they are totally black box most of the time. So you just put it on somewhere on the body and then you get the number that, all right, energy expenditure is 265 and nobody knows how it's calculated and then it's secret. So how, how do you see the role of of this that uh, you can see the signal you can you can understand that where does it come from that you see the raw signal and then the results how, how do you think this helps in active learning 
I think it's it's a uh, it's a very good point, and and here we have to think about what is the the study program and what is the interest, uh, what 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 are the learning goals also, um, because as I said, for example, if uh, if we are going more um, more technical direction, uh, I don't even say technical, but more into the the biomechanics, the biomedical sciences, more then. Then it's, it's it's very very different to if you give a data set to students that I don't know it was gathered somewhere else and you give a data set and say go analyze this data or I said if you record uh, the data yourself and these are the students that really are interested even even if you want to to teach us things as noise concept of noise in data it makes much more sense if uh, the students are. Uh, or they can understand much better if they were the subject that the data was recorded. They say, "Oh yeah, I was in the train at this time," or I was like, "Maybe this is the reason." Or, uh, you know, when when I was uh, that data is this way. Then if you give a data set and you say, "Okay, let's see the noise on this data set," but they have no idea about the recording, the conditions when the data was collected. So especially for this type of uh, of uh, study programs, it's, it's definitely important when we talk about. Uh, just the, the raw signal to understand uh, what's happening there, and of course, w- when what you were saying, when you want to go to concepts as energy expenditure or uh, um, even to to be, be something more uh, intensity levels, uh, if it's light light activity or uh, moderate activity, it's very different if you already get that that label that category. Or if you figure it out, if you even design your own algorithm, because it's not about validation, it's not, it's, it's just, a, it's a learning process. And you say, oh yeah, indeed, at this time I was walking to the supermarket, saying something, yeah, I was, uh, I was walking and uh, here is, uh, is more active. I think you relate much more the same way that you relate, you, you almost, okay, maybe this sounds a bit, but you empathize with the data because it's, it's your own data. It's, it's more, much more interesting. It's much more interesting. It, it, you get, and I think we are curious by nature. And if you are at university, you should be curious at least. And you start, it starts getting, oh yeah, here, and this happened. And uh, much more than if you get a table or with numbers from uh, someone else. And uh, okay, now let's try to understand what the data is here. Yeah, I, I think that's really, really good. And, and for example, that to increase the understanding, you could first, for example, to have the students to do self-reporting. You could do uh, retrospective self-reporting. You could do kind of timely that you are feeling when you are doing activities. So you would actually see the effect of memory in the retrospective. Then you could have a consumer device and, and a more accurate research device. So you would actually get, get the bias of self-report, you would get the difference between probably categories between consumer device and then then the accuracy. So that probably helps quite a bit to understand the critical thinking between the different variables. 100%, I think you got it, that's really the point, the critical thinking. I think that's uh, 
uh, that is something that that comes with uh, with active learning. That's not just accept everything that is being told to you and now absorb it and uh, let's be honest, uh, say it in the exam and uh, you are done. Uh, but to to be critical and uh, and that's something that you get. Uh, you are. Uh, you are critical about uh, about the data that uh, that is being collected, and for example, what you mentioned, the memory bias. That you understand, yes, there is a lot of memory bias, and and it's not that people want to lie to you. And now thinking, for example, about the more else psychology students, that it's not that people tell that they they moved a lot yesterday because they they want to lie. Sometimes it happens, okay, because that that is the the more the they want the, the social acceptable answer you know but it's also a lot of memory bias and you uh, you understand much more when uh, when you are uh, a subject when you are uh, a subject in research too much but uh, of the data thanks for joining us this week on physical activity researcher podcast if you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show, it would be great help for us we have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes so be sure to tune in thank you all for your support and have a great day